Thank you for listening to our Employment Practices Solutions podcast. I'm Stephanie Davis, President of EPS, and we hope that this podcast and future podcasts will allow you, our listeners, to have an opportunity to dig a bit deeper into employment law and human resources subjects and hear directly from the writers, our EPS attorney consultants and staff. Today, we're going to discuss the article written by Lisa Baer, a member of the EPS corporate staff on maximizing your HR impact and finding your seat at the table. Lisa is a longtime HR professional in SCHR, and she has been with EPS for more than 15 years. Prior to joining EPS, Lisa received her degree in engineering from Virginia Tech and did graduate work at James Madison University. Lisa began her career in engineering and management, making her transition to human resources with Apple Computer, in roles both as staffing consultant and human resources generalist, followed by several years as an independent human resources consultant for, for clients nationwide. Lisa, in your experience in HR organizations, what was the biggest stumbling block to HR being viewed as a business partner to the line organization as opposed to a compliance or people-focused part of the organization? That's a great question, Steph. I think the stumbling block, to the extent that there is a stumbling block per se, comes from our competencies in other areas. The traditional HR focus has always been on essentials that are really technical, compliance, compensation, benefits, and managing those essential functions within HR often doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room to get exposure to broader business issues that the company faces. And I think this is especially true in very lean organizations. You really try to do it all from an HR standpoint. So an outgrowth or consequence of that focus on our HR uh, deliverables on those truly challenging issues that can limit our exposure to broader business issues that our companies face. And because of our traditional mandates within HR, we may not have had the opportunity or maybe even the confidence, I think often, to make the important business links to our HR initiatives in a compelling way. And sometimes it can just boil down to how much time there is in a day and where our priorities are from an HR perspective. Okay, so so how do you ensure that your deliverables are met, like, for example, compliance, while also seeking a, ta- a seat at, at the table? So I guess what I'm saying is doesn't something have to give, and is that something potentially compliance? Exactly. I think that compliance and the seat at the table are absolutely not mutually exclusive, and I think something has to give, it's really not an either or, it's an either and. Um, They're inextricably linked, the seat at the table and the compliance issue. I've made reference to the article to anybody who's gone through an OFCCP audit or as an HR professional, if you've been involved in a high-level investigation with enormous litigation exposure, compliance very quickly becomes sort of the bedrock that the organization is built on and relies on to navigate you through these really high-risk, high-level business issues. So from a compliance standpoint, they're absolutely key business imperatives. 
So I sort of always make the analogy in my head, and I've done this to managers and executives throughout my entire career. It's a little bit like traffic laws. They're designed to keep traffic running smoothly, but they're also about our contract with each other and how we function together. So the ability to articulate those ways that compliance issues directly affect business performance and business outcomes, that's the key to finding balance between compliance in its pure form and how we function as a business. They're just inextricably linked. It's not an either or. Got it. Okay, so Lisa, how do you think um, an HR professional can develop outside resources while at the same time maintaining their own credibility and avoid being viewed as unable or <clears throat> unwilling to handle issues within the organization themselves? I guess what I'm asking is whether there is some risk in bringing in outsiders to do what might be perceived as part of your job. It's a great question, and I think depending on the culture of the organization, there can be some perceived risk, and I like to approach this, and I think this is key, where we as HR professionals have to be really business-like in our decision-making. You know, oftentimes we find ourselves defaulting to, we've always done it this way, which I think is especially deadly, that's not business-like at all, or you mentioned, Steph, in your question, I need to handle this particular task or this particular issue, whether it's an investigation or the delivery of training or whatever it may be in terms of the HR uh, traditional purview. So you can have this, I can do it all. I can do the ride in with my white hat and fix this. The worst rationale is, I'm, is that we're not confident enough to make the case that my time as an HR professional can better be used elsewhere and have a bigger impact on the organization. In the article, I used training as an example, and we've all been in the position as an HR professional. We need to do our anti-harassment training, whether it's annually or biannually. It's a routine thing that we know from a compliance standpoint we have to do within our organization. Maybe we've been doing it in-house ourselves for years and years and years, but to really step back from a business perspective and think it through, is the training that we have been delivering for years interesting? Is it compelling? Are our employees and managers seeing that training as an opportunity to learn and grow in their skills? Or are they like, here we go again, the same old anti-harassment training that I've had for the last 10 years? And looking at the outcomes of the training, is the group, are we, are, are we producing a group of really effective managers uh, as a result of their training really skillful in avoiding litigation within the company? Are they growing their direct reports? Um, those are some of the business imperative questions to ask. Um, the other piece of it is how many days does training, developing training, delivering training take away from other pressing work? within the HR function. And those are the hard questions that really get at the root of decision making. And just an illustration of this particular point, I was reading a recent survey of CEOs and they said they were polled as to what their top priorities were in driving their businesses. 66% of them said that developing leadership in a talent pipeline was their top priority of everything, higher than shareholder value, which kind of tells me that leadership and developing people 
is a business imperative. So if you take the training example a little bit further, high-quality training is absolutely key in attaining that very high-level C-suite CEO objective. It's not just about doing compliant due diligence. You know, if you step back and look at the really broad issue, we're a knowledge-based economy that's driven by talent. And those issues are absolutely at the forefront of HR efforts probably for years to come. Okay. What's the one piece of advice that you would offer HR managers or executives who struggle to have a voice and broader impact within the organization? Good question. Um, I think there are two things, and one is practical and one is a bit of a shift in thinking. I think the narrow role of HR isn't just strict compliance. That's great. I mean, don't get me wrong, but we, we all want to be compliant and not have those issues that crop up. But it's a tactic, I think, that supports larger business objectives and strategies within our organization. I think secondly, there's a practical matter that HR professionals often have very little experience with profit and loss responsibility. Very few HR professionals come into their roles with line management experience. I always watch uh, different careers that are unfolding um, here in the U.S., and I think of Mary Barra. She's the current CEO, as everyone knows, of General Motors. And Ms. Barra did a stint, and I kind of use those in quotation marks, in HR, but she came up through the line organization, and before she moved into HR, she actually ran an entire business unit. Most of us in HR don't really have that opportunity to listen and learn and really run a P&L responsibility. So short of that, we have to take every opportunity to listen and learn and read and look for opportunities to become exposed to the business of the business, the business that we support. Part of it's about, I think, being brave, being bold, asking to attend budget planning meetings or product launch discussions, reading about your industry and your off hours and understanding the competitive landscape is absolutely essential to the broader issues that we influence as HR professionals. Lastly, I think we shouldn't underestimate HR credentialing or um, other education. SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management, offers terrific resources on technical HR disciplines, but they also have a lot of great business fundamentals with an HR perspective. Um, even business basics, if you missed those in college, if you came into your professional career with a liberal arts degree, you may want to pick up a terrific class in business. And if you're thinking of doing graduate work, you may not want to do a master's in human resources. You may want to do a master's in business administration. I think it really comes to comes down to staying curious. And you really want to engage in every opportunity that's presented to you to dig deeper into the inner workings of your company. Thank you, Lisa. All terrific advice. And thank you to our listeners as well for joining us today. You can find a link to the full article, learn more about Lisa and about EPS services at our website, epsproscom And you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. We'd love to hear your feedback and better understand the employment practices challenges you face as an HR professional. And we hope you'll join us on upcoming podcasts. Thanks again. <laughs>